0: Hello, I'm Tracy Carlton Ward and this is sweat, grit and hustle. Welcome to today's show, and on today's episode, I'm really excited. This is one not just for my UK listeners but also my US listeners. You will recognise the accent and what part of the world it's from, but I am joined by performance coach and creative business strategist, the wonderful Sherry Siegman.
1: Hello. Hello, thank you for having me. I forget I have an accent because I speak to Brits all day long and then there's this New Yorker thing that just happens to come out of my mouth.
0: (laughs) Um, Were you born a New Yorker? Born and bred right here. Born and yes. bred. So, um, but I know for a fact you've been out of the States. There's so many yeah, people. Very much, yeah. yes. There's so <laughs> many US people I know that have never gone out of the States.
1: Well, New Yorkers, not generally. Technically, I live in New Jersey. Let's just be yeah. honest here. I'm 10 minutes outside the city. So like a suburb of the city. But many people in the middle of America have never even left their state let alone the country. Uh, The big city people have generally been other places, but America's a strange place in general. Yeah, well,
0: so at some point you got from your childhood and school
1: days to where you are today. So where did life take you? Um, Life took me everywhere, Tracy. Uh, I have an interesting backstory that I don't even think you know, and we know each other well. Uh, So I was, I grew up in a modern Orthodox Jewish little enclave right outside New York City, Uh, lived a very like Stepford, perfect little wife, got married at 23. Um, I have two boys who are almost, well, one's almost 23 And one's almost twenty-one, and I grew up and stayed in my little world. So I went to school for social work. I got married very young and was a stay-at-home mom. And thirteen years ago, went through a very interesting and intense divorce, and kind of unearthed myself from the world that I grew up in, into wondering what else was possible for me. So um, I'm grateful for all that was, and I knew that it wasn't a world for me. So. I walked away and after three years of a divorce, I knew what I didn't want. And then I landed in my mid thirties with two little kids having no idea what I wanted instead. So I needed to first explore who I was before I figured out what I was going to do. So I'm artistic. I was a makeup artist for 25 years, did, um, Events and some fashion stuff. Um, I was an artist for a long time. I do uh, creative. Um, I'm looking over there because I have one. I do mosaics, so broken plates and glass. So I did a lot of custom pieces for people's homes. And I was just kind of exploring the creative side to make some side money when my kids were little, but that wasn't going to be what would work for me long term in terms of taking care of me and my kids. So in that time, obviously, I went through a lot of emotional stuff and I started exploring because I couldn't handle the silence of my own mind at the time. I was sorting so many things, fell down the rabbit hole of personal development as one does. And I felt like, oh my God, I'm home. I felt like Alice in Wonderland. Like these are my people. They talk about things I think about. I don't know anyone like this. So I hired my first coach and I started to explore and really found out who I was and I loved the industry. So I went and I trained for a year. I did a yoga teacher training and a coach training at the same time. I figured body, mind, I don't do things half-assed. So I (laughs) went all in. And uh, that was nine and a half years ago. And here we are. So it's been a really, it was more, I found myself and then I found my calling all at the same time. It was a beautiful, crazy time in my life. And it's just kind of exploded since then. I'm, I'm based in New York, but since I started my business, 95% of my clients, actually hire now, have always been Brits. And I don't know how it happened. And I had my business running for five years before I had ever even stepped in the country, which makes no sense. So um, it's been this real beautiful evolution. And now I run a coaching department for an amazing company in the UK. Still have my private clients who are all British people, <laughs> even throughout covid Zoom is my best friend. Uh, It's really—I'm in shock myself. How I—I don't know how this happened, but I'm so happy I landed where I landed. Wow, that's
0: brilliant! So, um, (laughs) it's quite funny actually. My my last guest that was on our show, uh, the lovely Tom Willocks, she literally started her business as an experiment. So, (laughs) she's amazing. She is. She's brilliant. But isn't it amazing how lots? I hear lots of women where maybe it's come out of, I don't know, divorce, kids leaving school or being a stay at home mom that didn't want to be bored. And they sort of go out and learn something for themselves. And by doing that, they suddenly trip over a business that they can start
1: accidental love affair with something they had no idea they were looking for, which I think for a lot of women is the only way it could happen. Because if you go looking for it, we do that women thing and we try to control it and we try to decide what it's going to look like. And it doesn't work that way.
0: Are you saying women are controlling, <laughs> Um
1: I say that women like to control their environment. Some of us are very controlling. Some of us are not very controlling, but you know, because we are the doers and the caretakers, if we don't see the lay of the land, it makes it harder for a lot of women to start something without knowing what's going to happen, um, especially because a lot of us have to slot all of this in to other aspects of our life. So it's not easy for us to not prioritize elderly parents or children who are growing or our friends and family who are used to relying on us. You know, those of us who are the helpers of the world are already pretty busy helping people already to then carve out space to make something for ourselves. So it feels exciting what we're all embarking on together.
0: Wow. So we know your business was finding yourself and therefore finding your calling as it were, but Um, And I guess, yes, it's a happy accident that you've managed to create a business where a lot of your clients are Brits, but I'm assuming somewhere along that there would have been something in there where you set out with purposefulness on what you were going to achieve. Or was it all a complete happy it would accident? Be nice if that <laughs> it that happened.
1: Much nicer than what actually happened, my darling. Uh, it was messy. It was confusing. There were a lot of failures in there, there were a lot of lessons in there. I am my whole business my whole brand is all about being a maverick which is being an individual an independent minded person who doesn't always need to be rebelling but likes to do it their way which is why my clients are drawn to me because they're those people too you know most entrepreneurs are going to be the 1 to 5% of people who are unemployable and we see the world in a bigger way and I lead with that because that's how I see it so Every time I tried to structure myself, it wouldn't work. Every time I tried to fit into someone else's box, it wouldn't work. Every time I tried to um decide my outcome without including the process it wouldn't work I am fueled by curiosity adventure passion um we're on zoom right now no one else but Tracy sees me and my hands are still flapping like I have big energy if something doesn't include big energy it's not a room I want to be in and the more I learn to allow myself to just flow in my business and find out what would happen the better it worked over and over and over again still nine and a half years later it still works like that
0: cool so um There's going to be a few listeners to this where they are female like us and they're probably out there like both of us were bringing up children, being the caregiver. What were the, you know, what were the challenges around being a mum that you faced as you started to build this business? I love this
1: question. No one's ever asked me this. What I found was, and I've only really started to reconcile this with my kids as they're older. I left a world that I was bringing them up in. So they had, you know, their set friends, their community, the beliefs. We had the religion as like the background. And I was embarking on figuring myself out around that. I still, you know, connect with a lot of it and a lot of it I don't. And I wanted to not, be that single mom who took my kids on a ride. Every day was another date or, you know, they they had to ride my highs and lows. So what I intended to do was set out to keep their steadiness while I had my growth as a side hustle. Now, I don't need to let anyone know what happens at the end of that movie. It doesn't go so well. So I had to grow up myself while I was raising my kids. And I did the best that I could, and I think in that, in a way, I created a split life. So they had their very dedicated mom, which I still am, and then this loud, um, extroverted, out of the box, maverick business owner telling people to free themselves and go do whatever the hell they wanted. A lot of my clients, I've. I'd say equal mix of men and women, probably more men than women. So I'm like unleashing people all over the place and then running home to quickly make dinner, even though I work from home, you know, back into perfect mommy mode. And the split of the two was very confusing to me because I felt like I belonged in both, but I wasn't sure how to blend them. As my kids got older and have made more of their own choices, I feel like I brought more of my, my honesty and my realness to them. And I wish I knew a lot of that earlier because because I was still developing myself, I felt like I had to hide parts of myself from my kids. And I feel like they missed out and I missed out on a lot of how beautiful it would have been to model the growth for them. Even when they were young, they could have come alongside me. But because I didn't know what it was going to take me, it was very scary to me to show them what could have been a dead end or a change my mind. So I think I didn't allow all three of us the greatest expression and experience that I could have. Um. Still happy how I did it, but I feel like now I'm kind of catching them up. They're one's uh, taking time off from uni, one is in uni. And I didn't infuse that entrepreneurship into them. They don't think anything is possible because I didn't know that yet when they were younger. So it's a real interesting dance of like, how do we manage where we are and where we stay grounded and where we also want to grow while taking our people with us?
0: Yeah, I love love that phrase, interesting dance, because it is, because I mean... Um, not sure if you know this, actually. My son's now 24 um, or he's 24 this year. Can't quite remember. 98 he was born anyway. Mine's well, I, 23. He was 99. Yeah. Um, so it's like, for me, I was effectively a single mum from the age of him being eight months old. Yeah, Daddy yeah. walked out at three weeks, came back thinking, oh, I've made a mistake. And then it's like, no, three happy people apart is better than three happy or miserable people together. But I never set out to actually bring him along with me to teach him what I was doing, to show him what I was doing. But bizarrely enough, what I've discovered is he was in the background watching and he's he's gone off and done some amazing thing. He's talking about doing property with me now. You know, for a 24 year old, he's got an amazing job, way more amazing than where I was at that age. So I think in the background, even if we're not, even if we yeah. don't know that we're doing it in the background, they are watching. So if you're out there as a, a single parent, because it works for dads as well that are juggling kids, they are watching in the background. Trust me. Yeah. So I've got a question for you that, you know, there may be women out there that are like we were, we're doing the caregiving with the kids. We're trying to balance this being a mummy with being an entrepreneur. Um, Might be a bit of a hard question on the spur of the moment, but if you could give them one thing one shining bit of light that is that's the shining bit of light that's the thing to to not necessarily focus on but consider what would it be given that you've been there and
1: done it already I love the question I I think it's going to be as simple as giving yourself permission to grow because when these roles are set by society whether we like it or not There feels like there's a lot of ceilings that we're supposed to, you know, moms have guilt the second we conceive. We already feel like we're doing something wrong. Someone's doing something better than us. And it makes it a really hard set of constructs to then also grow in. So. No one's going to get it right. I've got two kids who are completely different from one another. So if I got it right with one, it maybe wasn't right for the other one. Just the expansion, whether it's in your motherhood, in your relationships, in your growth in business, in just who you are as a person. Permission to explore and get curious about what else is possible, what else would I want? Because as you just beautifully said, they'll come with you anyway. And a happy mom creates a happy life. And that means dealing with hard exes or feeling like you need to be right or you need to be perfect in every bucket. And then none of the bucket works because you're not the mom that brings the cakes to school, but you're also juggling three jobs and, you know, whatever you are juggling, let it be enough and find out what else you want because in that expansion is where your jo- joy lies. And when you go after your joy, everyone else is joyous.
0: Yeah. I love that. It, it, I, re- I remember, cause I mean, I was fortunate. I I worked in a big corporate career, big six figure salary which 20 odd years ago was a big salary but I wasn't the mum going to the school gates I literally had a a carer that would deal with my son while you know picking him up from school getting him his dinner all that stuff and I remember one day he was only about seven years old the little twat he turned round to me and he went mummy why do you never get me from school like like the other mummies do And it it was like somebody just stuck a dagger in the middle of your back. But the bizarre thing is the joy came. I had to wait for it for a while, but the joy came the day when he was like about 15 years old and I was going on a business trip and I'd have people come and stay overnight because he was still 15. He went, mum, you've shown me how to be independent. I can wash Mm -hmm. my own clothes. I can sort my own food out. I'm 15. Can I not stay at home on my own overnight? Uh, winning moment. You did it. Winning mama. moment. I did it. I still didn't want him to stay overnight on his own. It was yeah. like, mm, not sure I'm going to do that. But... Like great story, but no. <laughs> no. Yeah. But the brilliant thing was that moment of joy came eventually when you realize in the background you've raised an independent, self-functioning child And whilst it's a bit of a heartbreaker, they don't want you anymore. You can not don't want you, but they don't need you there anymore. Go off and do your business stuff. It's also a really, really joyous moment.
1: I'm free. I, I love what you said is, you know, the joy takes time. So does the misery. There's so many people that you and I know at our age later when these kids are big and they look and realize they poured everything into Only one area, either work or parenthood or their relationship that fell apart. And then they don't have any connection to anything else because they haven't nurtured anything. So they've been so forward facing for everyone else that they look and say, where'd my joy go? All I feel is misery. They weren't paying attention to either. So the focus on joy helps everything kind of bring itself together because that is a uniter where the misery is very lonely and very isolating. Yeah. The Marie kwando of creative business strategy, guys. <laughs> Love
0: it. Um, so if we take your business now and, and where it's going, you know, what your successes have been, how you help people, what's it there for? You know, It's giving you joy, but what's it providing?
1: So there was a moment in time that sounds like a movie movie moment, but I promise it did happen where I was a couple of years post-divorce The adrenaline had finally run out of surviving and getting out of where I was. I dropped my kids off at school. I had no idea what I wanted. I didn't know who I was. I just knew something had to give. I I dropped them off at school. I made it home. I landed on the floor. I couldn't even make it to my bed. And I laid on that floor and I looked up, tears streaming down my face. And I said, God, universe, whoever's up there, if you help me get up from here, I will, I, I vow to not let anyone feel this alone, misunderstood, or lost. Um, if, if whoever I can reach, and I swear on my kids, that was the day it started changing. Things started coming into my life, new people, books landing off of bookshelves, and I was just led here. I can proudly say, nine and a half years later, with tears in my eyes. Well, that was probably that was probably like eleven years ago. That's what I get to do every day. Every single day I get to sit on Zoom or when I get to sit in person and I get to see the recognition in someone's eyes that even if I don't have the answer, they're not alone. They know I hear them. That hit the nail on the head is a beautiful words I'm blessed to hear daily, multiple times from clients. Um, that love and care and belief of what my mission is and purposes in the world has honed my intuition to be a sniper, to see between what people say. I, I didn't do that. I was helped with that from wherever that came from. But because I will never forget what it felt like to feel the opposite of what I feel now, I'm able to connect with my people and bring them to wherever their place is. It doesn't have to be I have no destination for you. but to know that I am so lucky to walk that road with so many people whether it's in their business, in their life, in their next level of who they want to be, I I wouldn't give back one day of pain and there were a lot of painful days to lose that opportunity to be that. So, yes, I'm able to, you know, finance my life and yes, I've created beautiful things in the world and I'm very proud of myself and I get nominated for awards. I love it's beautiful. I'm very grateful for all of it. None of it means anything more than this. My honor to be the sherpa with people every day is something if you gave me 10 million dollars today, I would still do this every single day of my life.
0: Beautiful. And it's um this is me being vulnerable now, but Shari's not only someone I consider a friend, but she is actually my performance coach as well. And I believe performance is 80% of you being successful in business. You could get your packaging right, your marketing right, all that jazz, get it right. It means diddly squat if you as an individual are not performing at the right level to take it somewhere and be joyous about it. So back in December, and you know this, you were there, Um, I was a crumbling wreck almost on the floor, not quite on the floor because I had to be able to see Shari's face in the Zoom room. But I was a crumbling wreck. A property deal looked like it could actually put me into a very precarious financial position. There were health issues going on with my father. And I literally was like, why am I doing this? I just want to crawl under a rock and die. And and I had six months of quite a struggle trying to rework my performance out because my business was going great. What I did was going great. I loved it. But my performance w- wasn't there. Um, and um, the beautiful Shari was the person that actually helped me through that very, very arduous time. So I'm very grateful for that. I'm very honored to have been able to do that. So thank you for the But the message in there was also for people listening out there, male or female, whatever, is, you know, your performance is actually going to basically help dictate whether your month, quarter, year, whatever is highly successful or highly unsuccessful. So if you could give people any tips that are looking at starting a business or creating a business, What tips would
1: you give them around their performance that is going to help them? Great. Uh, My first tip to anyone, no matter how much money you're making or not making, is money is only one metric that's going to matter. Because I can't. I work from startups all the way to eight and nine figure business owners uh, with big teams, small teams. The thing I see the most is people will hit numbers and then still still feel absolutely nothing, and get get scared out of their minds because they achieve what they wanted and they don't know who they are or they've lost themselves in the process. So making sure you come along, I don't believe in balance. So I think we have ourself and we have a business and they scaffold. So the business grows, you've got to make sure you're growing. If you grow faster than the business, you'll topple over a business you don't want to be in. If the business outgrows you very quickly, you won't be the leader of this business that it needs. So, you know, we think, Oh, I've sorted my head. Now I can go run. It's this constant exploration of what does my business need for me? What's the CEO I need to be? And what do I need from this business for my life? And it's questions people are terrified to ask because they've been taught, achieve, follow the rules, get it done. And then you win at the end and you get a gold watch. Like that's not what life has become. I mean, if COVID didn't show us all how quickly our priorities would be reshifted, I would hope we don't need another pandemic to remember ourselves in the midst of this. So at whatever point of business, someone listening is in, I want you to remember that what you want from this is equally as important as how much money you make, who you are being along the way, the kind of people that you get to work with, the kind of pride that you take in what it is you put out in the world. When that head hits the pillow, to me, is the biggest truth teller of what your day was like. I don't care what your bank account says, because I promise you when your performance rises, the money rises as well. And I just want to make a distinction. Some people, they hear the word performance and they think it's that. Hustle and wake up at 5 a.m. and slam your head against the wall. Those rest days are important for Olympic athletes, just like for entrepreneurs. Like you need to give yourself what you need. You need to be listening. You need to be hearing more than you're talking. You need to be pacing yourself. You need to not just run with what you think you're supposed to do, but ask what it is you need, what is required from you to bring you to something that would feel fulfilling and allow it to change as it grows because it constantly evolves love it.
0: you I mean earlier on you mentioned about the joy and taking joy from the business and you just mentioned in there looking at what you need from the business for your life. and you you and I talked about this months ago I you know as a, as we went through this this horrendous dip, One of the things that came out the other side is i had been constantly hearing this thing about, you know, you need to be a six figure, seven figure business. You need to grow your business. And it was all about how much money I charged, how much money I made. And that wasn't giving me any joy, but I didn't know why. And the brilliant work that you did with me helped us reach a position of what the problem was. And it was that. I'd lost sight of what I needed from this business for my life. And my life wasn't about a multi-million pound business. It was not doing it for free, because I'm not a charity yet. But I wanted to bring women in property to where I was in property. That was the joy. And once we worked that out and we let go of money being the biggest thing, suddenly, not only did my life feel better, um, but as you know, Shari, my business in terms of what I want for my business, because I do not want a multi-million pound business, I will have that from property, but not from property mentoring. But what suddenly happened is by fixing that, suddenly... I've got more clients coming forward.
1: The floodgates open. It's like this energetic explosion of, oh, she's all course corrected and aligned. Let's now start bringing everything we couldn't find before. It's it's magical and it happens on repeat. I get to see it daily. Yeah, it's cool, isn't it? It's that, <laughs> It's that, I don't know, and it's really
0: hard. It's like, you know, when you were trying to find the sixth taste and then they suddenly come up for, it, for this word for it, umami. Yeah. Until we had that word, it was like, there's something there, but I don't know what to call it. But it and that's exists. Artists,
1: people are looking for something. They don't know what they're looking for. So they look in everyone else's success categories. It was like, that guy looks like he has the life that I want. I might as well go after that. And there's nothing wrong with it if it fits you, but most people's templates and formulas are never gonna fit anyone, even if the result looks like something you want. So doing that work on what your own success formula is, is key. For some people, it's connection. For some people, it is money. For some people, it's creativity. Some people, it's an emotion. It, it Whatever it is, it doesn't matter what it is. I, I joke with clients, it could be the cereal you had in the morning. Whatever is your guiding light is your lighthouse to build everything else around both yourself and your career. Yeah.
0: And it's, you know, if you're out there listening to this, maybe you're looking at network marketing, franchising, I don't know, stock trading, property, creating your own business, producing a product. There was something Shari mentioned there and something she mentioned earlier that I think is, for me, a key takeaway. So earlier on, you talked about the comparison and then you just talked about, you know, looking at other people's businesses. If you start your business and what you do is you go and compare who else is doing what you do, but they're making more money. They've got more clients. They've got more this. They've got more that. Then get off the comparison bandwagon and go back to what do I want from my business? Because for some of you in network marketing, as an example, maybe you don't want to be one of the one percenters earning 100000 a month, a year, whatever. Maybe you just want an extra three grand a month to help you bring your kids up. It's okay. Don't feel guilty about
1: it. So, And that the defining it itself alleviates so much of the stress because when we're running towards something we don't want... It takes energy we don't have because it doesn't fit in anywhere in our life. We all know, just using the time example, you're with your favorite person in the world, that time flies that day. You're doing a task you don't wanna do like prepping taxes or whatever. Those hours, you can hear them ticking in your brain. Nothing's happening to time, but it's your relationship to what's happening. And this is an epidemic I see all the time is people running towards something they don't want. Entrepreneurial burnout is a real thing. Um, Getting those results and then not feeling anything, this just detachment from disassociation from a life. We're overworking and not actually spending time with the family you say you want to support with your business. All of these things are massive clues and we don't look at them if we're only looking at someone else's lighthouse and we're trying to swim against the current to get someplace place we don't even want to get to. Yeah. So the slowing down to ask already just pops open So much air for us. And we're like, oh, that's why I felt like crap. Now I feel better. Now what do I want?
0: And it's one of the best things I've heard in ages, you know, look at it and ask yourself, what do I need from this business for my life? There's an island out there for all of us. They're different shapes. They're different sizes. But there is an island out there. And as for the 5am people you mentioned, hats off to you. My belief being a UK Yorkshire person is the only time you should see 5am is if you're coming back from the nightclub or you're getting up to go on an airplane to go on holiday.
1: Amen, says the New Yorker. So this is a universal agreement. And if it works for you, cool. And if it doesn't, there's nothing bad about it. Those people write those books because it works for them. Great. There's 75 other books on the same shelf that will tell you the complete opposite. So we just can't believe everything we see and read as like, tablets on a stone. It just shows there's enough for everyone. Find them, pick and choose. Choose your own adventure, like those old books we had when we were yeah. little. Yeah,
0: and it's about your performance for your business and the life you want. And funnily enough, because I've read Al's book, the you know, Miracle Morning. And um, if you read it and reread it, like any good movie, you pick up new things a second time. And what he says in there and you discover is this whole concept of getting up at 5 a.m., was not about getting up at 5 a.m. It was about the fact he lived in a place called San Francisco and he commuted. And the commute in San Francisco takes quite a while, um, which means in order to be able to do the things he wanted in the morning, the habits that were making his performance better, making his life better, in order to do those and commute to work, he had to get up at 5 a.m. But if you read the book again and spotty it actually says it doesn't matter what time you are getting up, that will work around your plans and your life. It's about having that magical miracle hour in order to make your life and your performance better. So, as I said, for those of you that love getting up at 5 a.m., hats off to you. There's nothing wrong with it. But for those of you that don't, do not sit there feeling like you're less worthy and not as great.
1: And isn't it interesting that a book and a great guy who wrote a great book and give great talks, how society has taken one thing that just seems like an easy hack and skipped the depth of exactly what you just described. Yeah. There's depth to it. And that's what worked for him. And it's like, no, nope, 5 a.m. makes me a successful entrepreneur. According to who? He's not in your room doing your dance with you in the morning. No.
0: Fascinating. It's the number of people I hear the 5am club bit. And um, again, if I was that kind of person, it'd be great because it's a bunch of people, you know, getting together to create that magical hour. Um, But it's like, I don't want to be ruled by the time on a clock. I want to be ruled by how I feel.
1: So as soon as I set a (laughs) rule, I then have to break it. So I will throw my phone. If it goes off at 5am only because I told myself I had to.
0: I did actually get up at 5am this morning. Did you? Yeah. So every Friday I go off to a business networking meeting that we need to be there for half. Six. It starts at half six, but i would just taken over like the president role in it. Okay. So I wanted to make sure that I was there slightly earlier to make sure I was ready and all of this. Lot. And I thought, well, if I need to get there for quarter past six, I need to set off at quarter to six. And I want to get all the stuff done that I need to do before I go. So I go out looking like a rock star. I thought, shit, that means I've got to get up at five a.m.
1: <laughs> and I I, run. I wake up before five most days, but it's not to sit and meditate. It's just I live on UK time. My body clock is yeah. all messed up. There's no heroic miracle happening here.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I'm sat there thinking I broke my own rule. I'm not coming back from a nightclub, and I'm not getting on plane to go on holiday. What are the freak is happening? To this publicly, yeah. what's happening? <laughs> because. What I want
1: out of my business and need out my business is in that room. That's part of my marketing. And it doesn't matter what time of day it is. So tomorrow, if you sleep till 10, it doesn't make you any less good at what you did at 5 a.m. this morning.
0: I'm loving this conversation. It is brilliant. But um, Shari, if people want to reach out to you, get in touch with you, learn more about what you do, how do they
1: reach you? Um, Very easy to find. Everything is Shari Teegman. So my website is shariteegman.com. Facebook, Instagram, come say hi. I love to meet new people. I'd love to hear what you're working on. I think we can all learn from each other. So I know lots, you know lots. I'd love to hear about what you know and what you believe, whether you agreed of something Tracy and I spoke about today, something you feel differently about. I think this is, you know, this a collaborative world we all get to win in. Yeah, definitely. And we'll get all those details in the show notes
0: because um, we, we could have spent ages just going, put in the whole world to rights 5 a.m club 9 p.m club like lunchtime club
1: all right I'm we gonna start a series on this
0: yes I'm gonna start a new club the 11 a.m club oh, I think that sounds 11-03. brilliant three three yeah let's not take let's not do the round numbers so before we go' our quick fire round for you and some insights and i got some great notes while you were speaking so are you ready for Uh-oh. this I'm ready baby I'm gonna start with a really silly one. Yeah. Shoes
1: or handbags and why? Always handbags because um my feet hurt in high heels and I'm 4'11 and it doesn't help me to wear them anyway. So handbag doesn't torture my feet. Are
0: you really only 4'11"? I am 4'11. That's why I felt so tall compared to <laughs> when we you met in person.
1: That very big energy, and everyone usually spends a lot of time on Zoom with me. And you meet me in person, every single person, oh, I wasn't expecting that. I should put a sign. Yes, You're I'm this little. Up. Yes, you weren't expecting it. I know. Yes. <laughs> Brilliant.
0: Um, so I notice in the background, because I can see your Zoom feed um, and the guys can't, but you have got a block there that says Carpe Diem. I do.
1: What's your best ever
0: "sees the day moment?
1: I've had so many. I love this question. Um, there have been a lot of sliding moments in my life where I chose something that made absolutely no sense. That I don't even know that I could choose one other than all the incremental ones where I kind of put my head in my hands. and I have no idea why I'm doing this, but I'm doing this have led me to the best things that I have the sign up to remember because I'm still extremely human, although I sound positive and fun on here. And I'm mavericky sometimes. I mean, I am a maverick. I'm a mom. I juggle family. My mom had a stroke a couple of years ago. There's, you know, finances have gone up and down over the years. Like there's a lot of realness and I share a lot of it publicly with my audience I have that up there for the seize the day, even if it's a shitty one, I should add that on the bottom, however you say that in Latin, where the day that's presented to you in my mind is the day you're meant to have, and some of them are tough, and some of them test you to your limits, and I know Tracy's had that this year, a lot of them, so have I. And it's who you are in those days that make the better days worthwhile living. And so I have that for me because it isn't only I don't want to highlight real. I want to be so fully in every single day, even when I question what the actual hell is going on, because that's as real to me as the wins that we post on social media and the lovely stuff. That's not what makes up my life. That's not real. Cool. And we've got both sides of the coin because my blog says say vie." There you go. We should put them next to each other
0: and we're all covered. (laughs) Behind me on the back next to my crystal ball. (laughs) Yeah, I do have a crystal ball. Um, so let's see. What you talked about adventure and that being part of you. So what's the most
1: adventurous thing you've done? I think it was probably leaving my marriage and becoming somebody new. Ironically, as adventurous as I am, I don't do roller coasters, I don't do jumping out of the plane. My nervous system is one that needs a lot of steadiness and stability. So to me it's asking new what if questions on a daily basis like I know it sounds ridiculous but anyone who goes to the supermarket knows you go to a new supermarket there's nothing more terrifying to your brain I like to test myself a lot I like to see where my edge is and find out where else I want to go so like I see everything as an adventure including technology many days
0: yeah love it what if I go left instead of right today
1: exactly exactly I love it well I think, um,
0: yeah, it was quite funny, actually. You know, we were talking about Seize the Day and Adventures. My second divorce, yes, I've been married twice. That'll be the story for another podcast one day. My second divorce, I thought, I'm not giving any more money to the frigging lawyers and solicitors that do the divorces. I actually bought a book and I did my own divorce. Oh, of course you did. <laughs> cool. I'd never do it again, but I did it. It was cool. That, that was Adventurous and seizing in the day. So I normally ask the question... What's one thing you'd do now to change the world? But I want to slightly adjust it for you because, you know, you're a creative business strategist, you're, you're a strategist I can't even say that today. You're a performance coach. So I'm going to twist it a little bit for you. What's one thing you would do to change
1: your world? Mm. I would have a lot more faith on a day-to-day basis than I do. Faith and trust for me is something that comes like in spurts. And then I go run and jump and leap. I would love to embrace more of the steadiness of, I know I'm always taken care of. I know things always work out for the best for me. And I still bless me and my adorable love to control creative brain. Um, you know, the blessing of a creative brain and creative mind is one that always creates solutions out of nowhere. The curse of a creative brain is we can create our own disasters and then believe them. So leaning more into that trust and faith of I don't have to be the one that figures everything out and I'm okay in whatever comes my way because it's what's meant to be, uh, would be the best way for myself to expand to even my next level that I'm ready for. Fabulous.
0: And I get the creative brain thing because when I my sort of college days was all creative I studied graphic design
1: did you I didn't know that C-trace yeah was-
0: that's where I started I life I didn't know that failed failed all but one exam when I was at Not school bad. so I ended up going to art college to do graphic design and funnily enough went on to do a degree whilst I was working amazing happy accident I fell into IT Wow. Yeah, but I totally get what you're saying.
1: Environment and (laughs) graphics. Very
0: different. But I get what you're saying about that creative brain. We can sometimes be our own worst enemy. I'll create the monster and then be yeah. afraid of it. And I'm like, well, no one can create a more creative monster than me. So <laughs> no. And look at the monster you create in here with all the help <laughs> you're giving me. Anyway, I'm going to end with the question we always end with, because um, this has been phenomenal. I might have to get you on again at a later date to do some performance <laughs> right. business tips for us. The show is called sweat, grit
1: and hustle. Which one resonates with you the most and Why? So grit resonates the most with me, which bugs me because I know a lot of people answer that and I always like to be different. But grit for me comes from a place of passion. So grit to me is not grinding through things, which is what I used to do, which is more hustly. But grit is to me that inner tenacity, that drive, that maverick spark that we all have is like, when I know I'm on my own mission, there is nothing that can stop me. And that's the grit that holds me to things that feel slippery and shouldn't work. That holds me to remember what I decide to do, regardless of what everyone else tells me is going to work. So grit to me is a guiding light of, I'm not afraid of hard things as long as they resonate with me. And so if it doesn't, then I know how to correct myself. But when it's mine, I feel unstoppable. So I, I feel like it's a really deep, beautiful word people don't understand the value of. So I love a bit of grit.
0: Yeah. miner's daughter, I grew up with grit. Uh, you know, that's a that's a Yorkshire philosophy, that one yes, is. is. Yes, oh, it is. Shari, it's been brilliant. And I'm serious, we will have to get you back on on another session. I would
1: absolutely love it. Thank you so much for having me. I love
0: the conversation. Yeah. And in a few weeks time, we've got a gentleman hon who's actually going to help you. Um, because he's wrote a book on it with how to work out what your usp is for your business and we don't necessarily mean what's the best feature of your product or the best feature each service but you know if you take business coaching for instance there's a lower level because a business coach that coaches say one type of person will need a totally different set of skills to another. So he's talking about how you identify and work out what your niche is and how to actually get to that market. So that'll be a good one. That's in a couple of weeks' time. Shari, thank you so much for joining us. It has been a pleasure, and we will speak again soon. We shall. Thank you so much. To keep up with what we're doing and what's coming on Sweat, Grit and Hustle, do visit us at www.sweatgrithustle.com.